You are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. Today is January 28th, 2024, and this is episode 262 of Lighthearted. My co-host today is the Outreach Manager for the Point Cabrillo Lightkeepers Association in California, Jen Lewis. Hey, Jen. Hey, Jeremy. Happy to be back. Thanks for having me on. It is so great to have you back, Jen. Uh, You've co-hosted before. You've been a guest. It's always a pleasure, and thank you so much for doing this. Of course. I love your podcast. I love everything you guys do for the U.S. Lighthouse Society. I'm very happy to be here. Well, always good to have you on board. Uh, In a few minutes, we're going to listen to an interview about Old Point Loma Lighthouse in San Diego, down at the other end of California from where you are, Jen. Uh, We've had some crazy weather here in the Northeast lately. More than a dozen lighthouses were damaged uh, in storms last week. Jen, you had some wave damage at Point Cabrillo last year, right? I'm I'm wondering if you've had anything uh, even remotely like that uh, since then. You know, we've definitely had a couple scares this year. We just passed the one-year anniversary of when the waves crashed through the back doors at Point Cabrillo on January 5th. And so uh, around that same week, we were having the king tides. We had some really big swells. So we did go ahead and... uh, do some some cautionary actions. We put some plywood up on the back doors and windows. And of course, nothing came up over the cliff except for spray over here on the Northern California coast. So we, we got out pretty lucky this winter so far. Well, that's good news. And you, you're all recovered uh, from what happened last year, are you? We sure are. Yeah, we're, we're still working on a couple things. We're redoing our museum. We're, we're getting some, some new uh, exhibits in there. But uh, for the most part, we're back to our regular operations, which is so nice. Yeah. You're open all year, right? Do you get a lot of visitors in the winter? It definitely quiets down quite a bit this time of year, uh, but we are open every day of the year. Um, I mean, it's on days when the wind is blowing that rain sideways. We don't get a lot of folks making the half mile walk down to the lighthouse, um, but it's really fun on those holiday weekends in January and February to, to see the folks come in. We've had some nice sunny days. We have had some very brutal rainy days, uh, but it's nice to have that balance sometimes. Well, Lighthouse being open all year is kind of a a foreign idea to me here in New England. (laughs) You wouldn't want to have a lighthouse open in this. Right now, it's about 20 degrees outside, so not too many people would come. Yeah, especially on the water, of course. It's especially cold. But anyway, as I said earlier, our topic today is Old Point Loma Lighthouse in San Diego. We're not trying to confuse listeners, but they might get a little confused by this because Old Point Loma is in a park in San Diego known as the Cabrillo National Monument, and that is not to be confused with your lighthouse in Northern California, Point Cabrillo. Can you explain a little bit about that? And I'll bet you get asked about that all the time. Absolutely. I will often get calls uh, for folks thinking that they're about to visit a San Diego lighthouse and asking for directions to our Mendocino lighthouse. Um, We are named for the same fellow. Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo was an explorer who sailed under the Spanish flag in the early 1500s. And uh, he was the first European explorer to set foot in California. And so there are just so many places in, in, in California named after him. So we've got a lot of Cabrillos all over our state. Sure. I just want to make sure uh, listeners can uh, discern between Point Cabrillo Lighthouse and the uh, Cabrillo National Monument uh, down Absolutely. south. <laughs> Have you ever been to the Old Point Loma Lighthouse? 
I sure have. That place is so, so, so beautiful. I have family down in San Diego. Uh, my grandparents and my cousins, my aunt and uncle live down there and uh, got the chance to head out to the Old Point Loma Lighthouse a couple years ago, which was such an incredible adventure. It's so, so gorgeous out on that point. I actually mm-hmm. um, rented a bike and uh, biked all the way out there, and boy, that was uh, that was a trek. That was not uh, maybe not my best decision. <laughs> so <laughs> very very good workout, uh, but beautiful yeah. place to visit and just gorgeous views, no matter where you are on that point. Oh yeah, and of course the lighthouse is like four hundred feet above the water, and you can mm-hmm. on a clear day you can see all the way to Mexico. So it's uh, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I visited uh, San Diego and uh, the Cabrillo National Monument, Old Point Loma Lighthouse. Back in twenty fifteen, I was working on a book on West Coast lighthouses at the time. I actually flew to San Diego and rented a car and drove from San Diego to Seattle. That was quite an adventure. Uh, by myself. Uh, never forget that. But uh, I love visiting Old Point Loma Lighthouse. And I also, the ne- the same day or the next day, whatever it was, I took a tour of Old Town San Diego, which was also really, really interesting and, and fun. I love Balboa Park, uh, the garden there and the zoo, of course, very famous. So there's a lot to see around there. I love San Diego. So moving on, let's go ahead and introduce today's guests. Please help me out, Jen. Sure thing. Congress authorized lighthouses at several California locations in 1850, including San Diego. The city was developing into a popular stopping point for people bound for the gold rush to the north. Construction began in 1854 on a lighthouse on a high bluff at the end of Point Loma, more than 400 feet above the sea. The style chosen was a so-called Cape Cod-style building, consisting of a keeper's dwelling with a cylindrical lighthouse tower in the center. The lighthouse at Point Loma began service in November of 1855 with a third order for Nell Lens. The active life of the lighthouse was fairly short as it turned out. The great height of the light station gave the light brilliant visibility in clear weather, but it was a handicap when low clouds and fog surrounded the bluff. For that reason, a new lighthouse was built on the low tip of the peninsula. Darkened for good on March 23rd, 1891, the original lighthouse ultimately became known as the Old Point Loma Lighthouse. Old Point Loma Lighthouse, as we're talking about, is now a popular attraction within the National Park Service's Cabrillo National Monument. A reconstructed assistant keeper's house built on the site of the original and using the original plans features lighthouse-related exhibits, including two Fresnel lighthouse lenses, a third order that served in the active Lower Point Loma Lighthouse, and also a fixed fifth-order lens from San Diego's old Ballast Point Light Station. We have three guests today. Uh, Amanda Gossert is program manager for the Cabrillo National Monument, and Karen Scanlon and Kim Fallon are longtime volunteers for the Cabrillo National Monument. They're also the co-authors of the book, Lighthouses of San Diego. Kim and Karen also happen to be identical twin sisters. It was a pleasure to speak with Karen, Kim, and Amanda just a couple of days ago, so let's listen to that conversation now. I'm speaking this afternoon with three guests. We have uh, Amanda Gossard, who is the program manager for the Cabrillo National Monument, and Karen Scanlon and Kim Fallon, who are longtime volunteers for uh, the Cabrillo National Monument and the Old Point Loma Lighthouse, which is our main subject for today. Karen and Kim are also the co-authors of the book Lighthouses of San Diego. Uh, So thank you so much, uh, Karen, Kim, and Amanda, for joining me today. 
Thank you for having us on. Amanda, we'll start with you. I understand you've worked for the National Park Service for more than 15 years, if I have that right. Yeah, I've actually worked at Cabrillo National Monument for my entire career, (laughs) all 15 years. And I did do a four-month detail at Sequoia and Kings Canyon. That was really nice career development. Um, But aside from that, all 15 years in San Diego. You must like it there. I do. Yeah. Both my parents were park rangers. And so I I grew up in a lot of different national parks. Yeah. I spent some time uh, in Glen Canyon, Death Valley, Petrified Forest. It's a real idyllic childhood. Wow. So uh, Karen and Kim, uh, where are you from originally and what brought you to San Diego? Hi, I'm Karen of the Twins. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but thank you for for, uh, saying who you are, Karen. That might be a good idea as we go on here. All right. Well, um, we grew up in a small town in eastern Ohio, and I moved to San Diego in 1973, a new bride to a young Navy ensign just out of medical school. The Navy never moved us from San Diego in Tom's 29 years of Navy medicine. And Kim and her husband moved to San Diego three years later. He loved ocean fishing, and hooray, Kim and I would be together again. Those three years was the only time we've spent apart in all of our lives, separate houses, of course. Part two is how did you become Lighthouse Volunteers? When my kids had the nerve to grow up and go on to college in 2000, I decided I wrote a letter to the superintendent asking if they used volunteers up here, and it happens that they did. So I took over from a man who had cleaned the lighthouse lens and the the lantern itself, the, the glazing and all, for a lot of years, and he trained me. And from then on, I've that's been my job up here. Mm-hmm. And this is Karen again. And Kim, Kim was up here first, as she just said. And her affection of lighthouse optics began when we were children and our family camped under the Cape Hatteras Lighthouse. Well, at the time, <laughs> the lighthouse bug bit her and the mosquitoes bit me. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, yeah, Cape Hatteras is certainly a place you could be inspired by. Oh, boy, uh, indeed. Yes. Yeah. Kim began, yeah, Kim began cleaning the lens and the lantern 23 years ago, and I joined her 10 years later after uh, spending a career of volunteer time at the Maritime Museum in San Diego. Shipwrecks were my thing. Turns out ships mm-hmm. need lighthouses. <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt about that. So uh, that what you just said about cleaning the lens kind of brings me to my next question, and either or both of you can take it. But what are some of the th- – obviously, that's one of the things you do as volunteers, but uh, can you uh, elaborate on that? What are, what are some of the other things you do as volunteers? My volunteer service, this is Kim, uh, only has been with the lantern and the light and the uh, the lens. I only, I mean, not only, but it's it's, a, it's quite a job up there to get the windows clean and the the lens and the ditches in the lighthouse and all the different the various aspects in the lighthouse. So it, it's quite a job, but it is the only one that I've I've ever done. I used to do it myself, and then Karen started helping. So. Mm-hmm. It's uh, quite a, a rare privilege to clean a Fresnel lens like that, isn't it? I've actually cleaned a, a fourth-order lens a number of times here at Portsmouth Harbor Light, near where I live, and I, I just—it's—it's it's really special. You feel like you're—you're you're, uh, cleaning a part of history for sure. Well, yeah. now you really have said it because I've gotten to clean the lens, the big first-order lens at North Ronald Say Lighthouse the islands north of scotland all the way well not all the way to but also on the isle of Wight in southern england 
So I'm pretty smug about that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, that is fantastic. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that maybe before we're done. I know you. I've read that you uh, saw Lighthouses in Scotland and loved it, and I I did too. So let's let's put that on hold for the moment. But um, it's a, it's pretty amazing over there. Some great lighthouses, some great lenses. So uh, one of the I read an article about the two of you, Karen and Kim. And uh, one of the articles said that you you uh, volunteer at two. It said two lighthouses in San Diego, and I'm trying to figure out what are they talking about. What, uh-huh. what are they talking about besides uh, Old Point Loma? Oh, yes, Kim and I have had a good run with the lower or operational Point Loma lighthouse. Uh, when the Old Point Loma went out of service in 1890, um, 1891, it took two lighthouses to do the job. So they put uh, a lighthouse lower to the sea and one on the, um, at the harbor. But we've had the good fortune of documenting much of the history of the Point Loma or operational light uh, mm-hmm. through a fluke of circumstances. And we've had the privilege there, few others have had as writers and Kim also as a photographer. And we gave the lens its last cleaning in the tower with a picnic on the lantern a set of melancholy twins removing a lantern from its seat in the tower, but we're happy that it has a new home at Cabrillo National Monument. And uh, we gave it its first cleaning there too in 2005. <laughs> so let's, um, Amanda, let's get back to you here. Uh, what are some of the things you do in your position as a program manager at Cabrillo National Monument? Yeah, specifically, I'm the program manager for the uh, Interpretation, Education and Volunteers Division. Um, And essentially, our division is responsible for telling the many stories of this place from the natural uh, to the historical and everything in between. We also work with volunteers who help us tell those stories. And honestly, we just would not be as effective at what we do without volunteers like Kim and Karen. And speaking of Cabrillo National Monument, uh, could you answer answer a question for me, really a two-part question? Why is it called a monument instead of a national park. And who was Cabrillo? Who was it named for? Great questions. Yeah. The, the difference between a national monument and a national park is essentially in, in how they are established. So a national monument is established by presidential proclamation and a national park takes an act of Congress to establish. They're both, regardless of how they were established, administered by the National Park Service. And tell me about Cabrillo. Why is it named for him? Yep. Our park was established by President Woodrow Wilson in 1913, and that was to commemorate the landing of Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo, who was the first European to step foot on what is now the west coast of the United States. Initially, the park was less than an acre, which surrounded the old Point Loma Light in an effort to preserve it as well. And up, up in Northern California, you have Point Cabrillo Lighthouse. I'm sure people probably get, get a little confused about that. So. Yes. We were just talking about that before we joined you, that people do get those two lighthouses quite confused often. (laughs) Yeah, you would think the Point Cabrillo Lighthouse might be in the Cabrillo National Monument. So uh, this is, uh, I think, for Kim or Karen or or both, but uh, I'm just wondering why was a lighthouse built at Point Loma in the first place? And and just remind me uh, when it was built. Well, in 1851, the U.S. Coast Survey for the federal government determined the sites for the West Coast lighthouses. Obviously, or it seems obviously, with Point Loma and San Diego being the most southwestern point, and because the peninsula juts out as it does, it seemed like a a very perfect spot to, to build the lighthouse. 
Did it have anything to do with the gold rush going on at that time, or why why was there uh, maritime traffic around there at that time? Yes, it did have. Um, the first eight lighthouses were established. When you think when that gold rush started, there was no light. Harbors were putting as many lights out as they could, so the government built the first eight lighthouses. Mm -hmm. And San Diego, of course, was one of those first eight. And the yeah. lighthouse, of course, uh, where it was built and where it still stands today, is uh, approximately 400 feet above sea level, which is extremely high for a lighthouse. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment, but uh, I imagine that its location was pretty isolated in the mid uh, 19th century when it was first built. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the building of it. Was the construction itself quite difficult? Well, that the lighthouse was not exactly in San Diego when the when the Gibbons and Con Gibbons and Kelly, the contractor, arrived here. They realized it was out at this high peninsula, and they had no access to the site, and they and so a road had to be built from the dock up to the site, and that became quite a point of contention with the with the federal government because it cost them fifteen thousand dollars to build the road to get supplies to the site and our, even the initial contract was $15,000. So it really it really was a problem. And the administration too was kind of disorganized. So building these lighthouses was pretty tricky business at the time. So the, the old Point Loma Lighthouse, as we now know it, was active uh, as an aid to navigation for only a little over 35 years, not a really long time. Why did it need to be replaced in 1891? Because of, and you know, the topographer said in 1890, whatever it was, uh, 1850, excuse me, um, said don't put a lighthouse on the top of that 462 foot cliff because you're going to have trouble with fog and low cloud, which they did. So that's why they needed to replace it because San Diego wanted to become a prominent shipping um, harbor, but they couldn't get a reasonable lighthouse to work um, in good weather and bad weather and uh, they needed to dredge the harbor. So that was uh, San Diego's downfall until we put two new lighthouses down, and that was the operational lighthouse, which still operates today, and that's the 1891 Point Loma Light Station. One thing I, I was curious about, you just said the 462-foot-high cliff or bluff or whatever we refer to it Peninsula. as. But Peninsula, that's a better word, yeah. Peninsula, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I think I've, I've read, you know, about 400 feet, but actually 462 feet, that's more than I realized. And that would have to make it one of the, the high, even though it's not active anymore, has to be one of the, the highest lighthouses above the water in the country. Is that, is that right? It was at the time, yes. It was the highest lighthouse in the country. Uh, it became the, the height of the lighthouse added about the 60 feet. It was about 400 feet, but with the, the focal plane was at 460. Oh, okay. Yeah, but still, that's amazingly high. So I'm not surprised it was kind of lost in the, the clouds and had to be replaced. So uh, I'm wondering about stories of human stories about the uh, the history of the light station. As we were saying, it, it uh, had to be pretty isolated in the early days. But just in, in general, are there any stories of keepers and families at Point Loma Light Station? And by that, I'm, I'm including both the old light and the one that replaced it. Uh, any interesting human stories about these places? It's interesting to think of Captain Israel, the, the last lighthouse keeper. He was here for 19 years, which is really quite unusual because there had been a lot of turnover. Um, but to think of him shooting his shotgun to advise of 
of the fog and guiding the ships that were waiting to come into the channel. Another thing, Ross Holland, that you, whose name you know for having written so many books, he said one time about what a sweet picture it made to think of Maria Israel, who was Captain Israel's wife, but she was assistant keeper for part for several years. But to think of her sitting and reading or knitting or doing her sewing work in the light of the lantern, sitting at the bottom of the stairs, I've, I've often thought that painted a sweet picture. And then there were, uh, there were a lot of good stories during uh, World War II at the start and even at the end. Um, there's so many great stories. And two, the two teen daughters of the two keepers the lower at the lower lighthouse um, were out riding horses along the dirt road above the sea. And they had come upon a scene that hadn't been there. Lexi said it looked like a rocket ship standing in an oil derrick. There were men in suits busy at the base, and they were pretty excited about this, and the girls thought they were making a movie. So they rode home to tell their fathers, and Lexi's, Lexi Johnson, her father was keeper out there, um, put his finger to her nose and scolded. You didn't see it, and I don't want to hear another word about it. And turns out it was a rocket standing in an oil derrick, and it was Convair's test site for the rocket motor of the first Atlas missile. Wow. And then they moved that to White Sands, New Mexico, ultimately. But they saw they weren't shooting the rocket from Point Loma. They were testing the rocket motor. Mm. And eventually there were two big silos out here for that convoy test site. OK. So you were telling the story, I, I was starting to wonder if it was some sort of UFO or something. Maybe I guess it sort of was in a way. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, yeah. it must have looked that way to the keeper's daughters. I'm glad you mentioned Efros Holland a few minutes ago because uh, he was an important lighthouse historian. I got I, I, was, I was lucky enough to meet him in 1989 uh, and record a speech that he gave at that time. So yes, I met him here at Cabrillo National Monument one time too. Um, he had actually been a, a ranger here at Cabrillo National Monument, and so oh. it was he who wrote most of the history that we know of of um, Old Point Loma. Wow. Well, that's important to know. I'm glad uh, that came up. Back to the life of keepers there. Did, uh, did I, I think I've read that the keepers actually didn't have a boat uh, at that station. And if so, how did they travel to and from town to get supplies? Mostly by horse and buggy. <laughs> that was a lot, especially at the lower point. Well, upper point Loma too, of course. Um, but at one time, Keeper Israel had a small rowboat and his son lost it. Now, we're not sure what happened there, whether it sunk or what, but the lighthouse board docked dad's pay $25 a month until the boat was paid for. And Israel was furious about this and caused some trouble. He moved down to the lower lighthouse shortly after this incident, and uh, he caused some trouble down there with the cement. That's another whole story we don't have time for. But he lasted at the lower lighthouse for less than a year before he was let go. Interesting. There was that that boat we knew about, but otherwise, boats from town. I know that when they were testing or uh, measuring for the lens at the lower point Loma Light, they came out in boats, and often they got stuck in tides, and that was troublesome. Otherwise, they came out in in horse and buggy. Eventually, I wonder if lighthouse tenders came there with supplies. Do you know about that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. But they mm -hmm. had to stand offshore and bring yeah. them in with small boats right right there okay was no, there was no dock out here it's my understanding that the old lighthouse was uh, pretty much abandoned for a while and wasn't in such great shape for for quite a while was it actually in danger of being demolished 
Yes, actually, and it came close to being so. Uh, there was a, a group of, I think, um, of Portuguese who wanted the lighthouse torn down so they could put a big monument to Cabrillo up here. And even it is noted in the history with a latrine in it, which is fairly weird. Hmm. But yes, it came very close. And then uh, Cabrillo National Monument holds an interview from Celia Sweet, who was married to the lighthouse keeper at Ballast Point Light Station. Late in her life, she uh, said how sad it was that people came up here and that she watched and just that they stole every part of the lighthouse and it just seemed to break her heart the way the way it reads. Uh, anybody can take this this question, including uh, Amanda. But how did the uh, how did the Old Point Loma Lighthouse come under the management of the National Park Service? Uh, when Cabrillo National Monument was established in 1913, it actually predated the establishment of the National Park Service, which wasn't created until 1916. So even though we had preserved this structure, there was really no central um, agency to really maintain it. So the the government kept a hold of it, or, sorry, the, um, the military kept a hold of it for quite some time through World War I through World War II. And then in between there, around 1933, it was a a concessionaire for a while. So there was a small gift shop in there. Um, And then the World War II occurred. So they had to um, close that, that concession down. And then after that, the National Park Service took it back. You know, as you're speaking, I just was remembering something. I have a a large collection of antique lighthouse postcards, and I'm sure all of you have seen that there's a a number of early postcards, like early 1900s postcards of Old Point Loma that actually call it Old Spanish Lighthouse. Uh, mm-hmm. As if uh, like people thought that it was built by the Spanish uh, in the early days of the Spanish in California. Is that something you've you've seen as well? Yes. There was a man, I forget his name now, I could look it up, but he looked after the lighthouse up here for a while. And it was he who began calling it the Spanish lighthouse. It was pretty early in time, but but it is it, it seems to be that he was the one who started that. But it definitely was built by the U.S. government. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So let's jump ahead to the present day, uh, and uh, I'm wondering if people visit there, which I did back in 2015, really enjoyed my visit there, what is there to see besides the lighthouse? Uh, And Amanda, you might want to take this first. Is there a visitor center there? There is a visitor center, yes, which is also part of a um, Mission 66 historic district. So it's um, it's historic itself. And there's uh, a reconstructed or rehabilitated is that the proper word to use but it's it's a a replica of the assistant keeper's house and there's exhibits in there as well right yes that's correct yeah that and that was going back to your last question about if the lighthouse was ever um you know at risk of being demolished the assistant keeper's quarters was completely demolished and removed from from the property um, and it wasn't until i believe 2004 that we began a project to rebuild the assistant keeper's quarters Oh, maybe a little bit earlier. Um, Yeah. And but it's great and it acts as a museum. So um, while the lighthouse itself isn't um, necessarily accessible to all people, the assistant keepers quarters is. And so people can go in there and learn about what it was like to be a lighthouse keeper um, in the in the 19th century, get get a feel for life um, and how isolating it was. But there also are some really great 
displays in there. There are two lighthouse lenses, which is very exciting. There's the third order 12 panel flashing lens that served the Point Loma light station down below. And also the fifth order fixed lens that was in, um, in the former Ballast Point light station. And there's also actually a clockwork to a lens that was, oh, this gets confusing. There was a lens slated to come to San Diego that never did come here and was used at Chicago Harbor. But we've got on display there the, uh, the clockwork for that rotating lens. Hmm. And we have that lens in our accession building up here at Cabrillo. Mm -hmm. Interesting. To answer the rest of your question, aside from um, all the fascinating exhibits that we have about our lighthouse, um, we have an exhibit dedicated to telling the history of Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo. There's hiking trails, um, amazing views. You could see out into the Pacific Ocean. You could see all the way into Mexico, um, the San Diego city skyline. It's gorgeous. Um, base end station. Yep. The, the base end station is a bunker from World War II that has been completely um, re- Decked out? Yeah. World yeah. Decked out in World War II? Yeah. It, you go in it and you're immediately transported back into time and you can get a feel for what it might have felt like out here during that time of war. There's a lot of other military assets scattered throughout the park. Um, and during the winter, it's not only the Pacific gray whale migratory season, you can see them passing by, but we also have amazing tide pools in our coastal area. Yeah, I was there on a, a beautiful, clear spring day in 2015, in uh, April of 2015. I remember the fantastic view from there for sure. So uh, a moment ago, we were talking about the two Fresnel lenses you have on display in the assistant keeper's house, but I believe there's also a, a Fresnel lens in the lantern room of the old Point Loma lighthouse. Is that right? Yeah, there is. And that's the one Kim and I get to, to clean. But yes, that lens came from the Mile Rocks lighthouse in at mm -hmm. San Francisco Bay. Mm -hmm. They changed the shipping route um, along that, where that lighthouse passage, where it's the passage out there. And they changed that route and didn't need that lighthouse anymore. So the lens became available. Yeah, and I think they actually kind of chopped off most of the, the lighthouse. So it's just a base left out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are pictures of it. Yeah, I've seen old postcards and things of it, but it's not, not much to look at today. So here's a question for you, Amanda. In addition to just, uh, you know, people can come and when the uh, park and lighthouse are open and go in the lighthouse and the assistant keeper's house and everything, are there also special programs and talks in the park? There are, yeah. Um, in fact, three days out of the year, visitors can go into the lantern room and walk out onto the gallery um, of the lighthouse. Typically, it's closed to visitors just to uh, maintain safety and the structural integrity of it. Um, and then we open it up those three days out of the year. If visitors are interested in going to one of these open tower days, the information is available on our website which is it's part of the National Park Service website, of course. Yes, yeah, yeah, nps.gov forward slash C-A-B-R. C-A-B-R, excellent. Thank you. For, I'm glad you mentioned that. So we're actually recording on, let's see, what's today's January 16th. People will be hearing this a little bit later. Uh, but from what I've been reading, there's actually some rehabilitation work happening there at the lighthouse. Has that actually started yet? 
It has. Yeah. In, in fact, it just started today. Yeah. And um, the lighthouse will be closed for about 10, um, 10 business days while the historic preservation crew works on that. And this is just one of many um, maintenance projects that we have to ensure the preservation of the lighthouse for future generations. Um, in fact, all of these projects that are to preserve um, these assets within the park are fully funded by entrance fee dollars. So visitors entering and paying the park are, are actually investing in the protection of um, of these things like the Old Point Loma Lighthouse. And uh, the specific work that's being done this time, it's focusing on the walls surrounding the iconic spiral staircase. Um, essentially, they're repairing a bunch of plaster. It's it's kind of crumbled because moisture has gotten trapped behind the paint and has eroded away the plaster. Um, and then they're going to, so after they repair that, paint it over with vapor permeable paint. So that mm -hmm. kind of allows the allows the walls to breathe a little bit better, and and they don't they won't trap moisture as much. I've heard about similar problems at quite a few lighthouses over the years, and obviously we know a lot more about proper paints and coatings to use. Uh, the people did the best they could when that was done, but uh, we've learned a lot about that. Absolutely. So uh, something that is really interesting to me that the historic preservation crew is working on is that a lot of the wood graining on like the windowsills or the baseboard, that's all faux wood graining and it was a it was a technique that they used back in the 1800s in order to make wood look like a more expensive type so a more expensive type of hardwood um, as opposed to just the regular wood that they were using and so the historic preservation crew has had to learn how to do this process that isn't really used in in modern day um, to do that faux wood graining and it's quite quite time intensive but it looks amazing Wow. Well, that is really interesting. I'm glad you, you brought that up. I hope I can get back there sometime and, and see all that. I love San Diego, too, so I really do hope <laughs> to get back out there. So back to the the uh, 1891 lighthouse. The I know uh, a lot of people call it New Point Loma Lighthouse. I'll call it the, uh, the Point Loma Light Station, the 1891 lighthouse is actually still owned and managed by the Coast Guard. It's still an active aid to navigation. Kim and, and Karen, you said that you have been somewhat involved in, in doing some volunteer work there. But it, officially, is there any organization, like a friends organization or anything like that, working uh, for that lighthouse? No, not at all. The Coast Guard keeps that pretty tight. There was a $2.5 million restoration of that lighthouse two years ago that began in 2018 to 2019. It just about redid the whole lighthouse. Yeah. Looks really nice. I hate to tell you, but that's five years ago now. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting we're in 2024. I keep uh, writing 2023 myself. Oh, that's insane! I'm embarrassed. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's okay. Never know what year it is. Um, oh, I was going to ask you: uh, Is there still Coast Guard living at the station there? Yes, there is. There, are the three, the three keepers' quarters that are there are occupied by hierarchy of the Coast Guard. There are um, three families that live there, and one of them is the captain, and then um, two higher-ranking officers as well, or well, two higher-ranking officials. I don't know their 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 ranks per se. Um, at one point, there were three families living there, and they all had about three kids in each family too, and it just seemed so idyllic of of a childhood, and it kind of reminded me of my own, um, just 
how how much you depend on your families in such like a an isolated location. Interesting place to grow up. Yeah. So is that lighthouse ever open to the public? It is not. No, no it's it's behind a gate. Um, it's not very accessible at all. And yeah, since it is military property, they they keep it under pretty pretty strict lock and key. As I remember from being there, I think the best photographic views are from up on high ground looking down towards it. Is that right? It's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you can find someone to take you out on a boat. Um, But yeah, specifically, if you're in the park and you're looking for a great bird's eye view of that light station, um, if you head over to the whale overlook, the whale and kelp forest overlook, you can look down and and see the beautiful green manicured lawns and the light tower and the palm trees. It's very beautiful. It is. It is. Yeah. Kim and Karen, before we close things down here, I just want to talk a little bit about your book. Uh, Mm -hmm. Your book, Lighthouses of San Diego, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. What made you decide to write that book? Well, first of all, we're mighty curious. And Kim and I looked for family members who served at our lighthouses. And we found and worked with eight adult children of former keepers. And we had to get those pictures out and some of the history that we heard verbatim from the horse's mouth, people that live there. Especially, there were a lot of good stories from World War II that that would have been lost without these interviews that we had done. For example, little Pat Dudley, about seven years old, stood on the point. It was right after Pearl Harbor was bombed. And little Pat Dudley stood out on the point, counting warplanes flying low overhead. She got to the count of 1,000, she said, and didn't know how to count beyond that. And she's embarrassed to tell us that she didn't think to start over with 1,000. Uh, But these were airplanes leaving factories here in San Diego, going out to sea to meet aircraft carriers. Wow. Just any number of really great stories. And they are all in our book, or most of them are in our book. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You also, besides the two-point Loma lights, you also wrote about the old Ballast Point station, which we mentioned briefly earlier. I know there's Mm -hmm. the lighthouse is gone now. I believe a, a lantern from that lighthouse is actually sitting on a sidewalk, basically, in San Diego. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, and th- that yeah. lantern is still there with, with nothing in it, but the, the lantern is there. Yeah. And the, the keeper of that store won't sell it. But our yeah. book, we talk about six different lighthouses, oddly. Um, of course, the three out here on Point Loma, Ballast Point and the two Point Loma light stations. But in the 1915-16 Panama Exposition in Balboa Park, there was a a tall lighthouse, a real lighthouse there, and the keepers from Ballast Point went to light that every day, so the story goes. And when that fair ended, they dismantled that and took it to the Panama Canal, and there are three others similar to it of varying heights. Now, that's the story we get, and we've we've tried to confirm those stories. But also then there's the Harbor Light at Tom Ham's Lighthouse Restaurant, which is a Coast Guard-kept beacon. And also, we included in our book the lighthouse at Tijuana because the Coast Guard lines up with that lighthouse when it comes into San Diego. So we included a short, you know, a speck of pictures there in this book Mm -hmm. so that we'd have some good history of our lighthouses here. Absolutely. Karen and Kim, I know you've been to a number of countries to see lighthouses. Is it both of you who've traveled around to Scotland and other places or is it mostly Kim or? Karen has been to a few of the light. We used to go. We used to go to the East Coast in the fall for a couple of weeks and look at lights. She did that 
but mostly Karen wants to be in her own bed at night, so it really kind of precludes uh, looking at lighthouses elsewhere. Plus, she won't fly over the ocean. Yeah. So, but, oh, okay. but yeah, the, the Scottish lights for their history and and the French for their beauty and inside and out. So it, it's hard to pick one country, but I I love Scotland and the French lights are just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I was lucky enough to get to Scotland with the U.S. Lighthouse Society tour, but I'd only saw the, you know, mostly the Edinburgh area. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some beautiful ones around there. And then we went down the east coast of England and then I got to go to Ireland last year. But the, the lighthouses in England, Scotland, Ireland are, are really, really beautiful and pretty much well taken care of for the most part. Um, <laughs> France, I, I've seen a lot of pictures of the French lighthouses, but I haven't got to see them in person so far. Some of them look like like palaces. The interiors look pretty amazing, too. That goes for a lot of the lighthouses over there. Uh, we're getting uh, near the end here. I have a final question for the three of you. I'll ask it separately. And this is for bonus points, okay? All right. So first, let me direct, the, the, direct this to Amanda. Amanda, what is your favorite thing or things about working at the Cabrillo National Monument and the Old Point Loma Lighthouse? I would say my favorite things are the tide pools. I love exploring down there. It's never the same twice. There's always new things to discover. And then I just, the views are amazing. I can't get past the views. <laughs> That's why I've stuck around for 15 years, I think. Um, and then in terms of the the Old Point Loma Light, I just love how cozy it feels. And you can go in and you can get a sense of of what life was like back then. and just being able to share that with the public, especially especially little kids who um, they live in, in such a connected world right now. And then to have them just take themselves out of that for a moment in time and reflect on what kids were going through 150 years ago. I think it's just it's really special. There's not a lot of places that you can really do that in the world. Beautifully said. Okay. And Kim and Karen, what has been your favorite thing uh, over these years about uh, volunteering at the Old Point Loma Lighthouse? Oh, boy. I love informing the park visitors about our history. And I love roaming the park or moving about the assistant keeper's quarters, showing off our lighthouse lens and telling remarkable stories of our bay, about the military out here on Point Loma, and of course, the lighthouses. And certainly I love working with Kim and the Lantern. We have a good time goofing around up there, but we get our work done. Golly, our rangers trust us to do the job. We love that. And I wish you could see how adorable Amanda is. (laughs) (laughs) Kim? And I could say, I could say the community service aspect, but it's actually quite selfish. I love being in the Lantern. I love the lenses. I love that I can put my paws on it and look after it and watching the dust come away and, and the lens go shiny. Um, I I don't know, it's, it's just being up there is just really, really fun. Real, it, it means something to me. There, there was a, is a book that Henry David Thoreau wrote about, and it's titled Cape Cod. You probably know it, Jeremy. Oh, yeah. But I love, I love something toward the end of the book that he talked about when he was at the Highland Lighthouse in Massachusetts, that he could stand there with all America at his back 
And it never occurred to me until, until I visited there. When we got back and the first time I was cleaning up there, I said, wait a minute, except for except for Hawaii and Alaska, I've got all of the, all of America at my back. And somehow or other that, I don't know, I, just, I, I love that. So I, I just love being up here. I understand. And I know that quote, well, yeah, uh, Thoreau spent some nights at the uh, – the lighthouse highland lighthouse is the guest of the keeper and he wrote some beautiful things about it and that is a great great quote i love it uh and beautifully said by all of you and i i understand uh, the love you have for that place it is a, a very special place i hope i can get back out there one of these years maybe uh, meet you all in person but uh kim and karen and amanda i really appreciate you spending this time with me today it's been a lot of fun thank you so much thank you you're welcome we loved it thanks jeremy it's fun chatting with you jeremy To learn more about Old Point Loma Lighthouse and the Cabrillo National Monument, go online to nps.gov C-A-B-R. There's lots of information on the history of the lighthouse and what to see when you visit there. One of the interesting things about Old Point Loma is that the style of the building is sometimes referred to as a Cape Cod style lighthouse. Basically, a Cape Cod style lighthouse has a one and a half or two story dwelling with the lighthouse tower rising up through the center of the roof. A bunch of them were built on Cape Cod in the 1800s, but none of those survive. So it's interesting that no Cape Cod-style lighthouses survive on Cape Cod. That's unless you count the uh, Old Bass River Lighthouse in West Dennis on Cape Cod. It's now a hotel, and it's been added on to so much that the original lighthouse is barely recognizable. The only surviving Cape Cod-style lighthouses in their original configuration are on the West Coast. Besides Old Point Loma, there are Point Pinos and Battery Point in California and Yaquina Bay in Oregon. So, Jen, before we sign off, is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners about Point Cabrillo? Anything uh, coming up? Any news or upcoming events? Well, we just put out our calendar for lens tours for the year. So we're going to be doing tours to the top of the lighthouse on the first weekend of every month, March through October. So we're really excited to get folks back up inside the lighthouse and standing out on that beautiful balcony. Mm. When I was there, I didn't get to go up there. <laughs> so I would love to go back and uh, get to, to see the lens up close and the view from there. Uh, is there uh, there's a website, right? How, how can people find out more about that? Absolutely. It's pointcabrillo.org. Um, that'll have all the information on events coming up and hours and whatever else we're working on out at the light station. Yeah, that's not too complicated. Pointcabrillo.org. So, Jen, do you have a quote about lighthouses? I do. The author Ash K. Vasu once wrote, sometimes amidst of all of the wars, all you need to become is the lighthouse, not the sword. That sounds good to me. Thanks so much for hosting today, Jen. It's really, really good to have you back on the podcast. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Happy to be here. Yeah, we'll have to do it again. So next week, we'll be talking about Mukilteo Lighthouse. That's one of my favorite ones to say, Mukilteo. Mukilteo Lighthouse in uh, the state of Washington. Until then, to all our regular listeners and our new ones, thank you so much for listening and keep a good light. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine.
山。